0: What's going on, savages? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. Welcome back for another dose of, uh, I hope intellectual and highbrow chat with someone who i find to be creatively wonderful um thank you very much of course to all of our supporters if you are supporting us at patreon.com slash savage snowflake i adore you i appreciate you i'm going to come over and give you an inappropriate cuddle like an uncle that you haven't seen for seven years and you wonder why he's at your house why are you even at my birthday uncle jeff just because i wanted to show you a little bit of love where have you been all my life i don't know i've been away traveling trying to discover myself spiritually growing at all times listen I also want you guys to check out our sponsors, Manscaped.com, Refining the Gentleman. If, like me, you're a Hassute individual, well, I've cut the hair off now. I've been trimming the face, and of course it makes sense that I would trim the chest hair too. You've got to do a bit of manscaping. I know a lot of gentlemen listen to this podcast, and you might be sitting there going, my girlfriend doesn't want to touch me anymore. Why on earth is that? It's because you're not taking care of your downstairs area. It's a fine, finely coiffed topiary that should be looked after. Now, the way to do that is using the Lawnmower 2.0, a wonderful piece of kit you can get from our friends at Manscaped dot uh if you use the code savage20 that's savage20 at their website you will get 20 percent off all of your orders you get free shipping on every order and a wonderful free leather travel bag worth 50 bucks so i uh, can't say fair than that check them out manscape.com joining me today is a director and writer actually you also wrote on this movie in particular uh, and uh you directed a movie that i had been in in a very small way, previously, uh, it's Derek Bort, director of the movie American Dreamer, which has just come out, um, starring Jim Gaffigan and Robbie Jones. Uh, thank you very much for being here. How are you, Derek?
1: I'm wonderful. It's so great to see you. I didn't recognize you at first, but uh, it's great to finally, you know, to catch up after such oh, a Oh, there you
0: go. Yeah, because lo- I've lost about 30 pounds, cut my hair off. I'm trying to be a superhero, Derek. That's what I want to do, or a supervillain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think I think you got a bright future.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can really tell by your tone. You were like, mm, yeah, okay, cool, good yeah. luck. No, I, I mean that absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, I, it looks like you probably don't need uh, a lawnmower 2.0. That beard is already perfectly in shape. Do you do you trim with scissors? Are you a, are you a scissor man?
1: Uh, you know, it just just depends on what I what's what's handy. You know, um, I'm going for the get off my lawn look right now.
0: Oh, in that case, you have to trim it with a pair of garden shears for ma- maximum yeah, right. intimidation.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so no look, doubt. first of all, uh, thanks very much for doing it. I know it's you've been incredibly busy with the promo of the film right now. You've been doing lots of interviews and chatting to various publications, uh, celebrity reporters, all sorts about the movie. This is uh, certainly not your first foray into the world of movie making, you've uh you obviously made the movie the joneses um i obviously got a chance to work with you on uh, london town as well uh which was all about the music of the clash starring jonathan reese miles and uh dan hudlston um but this is uh this is the first as far as i know the first movie where you've used comedic talent to tell an incredibly unfunny story this is a very dark story
1: yeah it's true it's true and i i think that uh you know, in casting Jim Gaffigan, to me, you know, when, when, when his name was brought up, it was such a kind of tap the brakes kind of moment where, you know, I knew I needed somebody who was empathetic, who was going to still remain somewhat, believe it or not, likable, even though he makes some horrible decisions with tragic consequences. And, and after thinking about it and talking with Jim, it just seemed like a no brainer. And I, I'm, I'm so happy that we went down that road together.
0: Is this the, um, because as far as I know, Jim's done smaller roles where he's been quite serious, but for the most part, his comedy, you know, his content output has always been comedy. Is it a, is it an interesting challenge perhaps to work with someone whose mainstay is being funny to find the darkness in a script like American Dreamer, which from start to finish, there's there's no joy in it. It's incredibly uh, emotionally dark and twisted from the start yeah i mean you
1: know everybody works differently um jim is someone that can slip in and out of character very easily right and you know we could be doing a a very emotionally intense scene and uh and when we cut he's you know he's lightening things up a little bit with uh with a with a joke here and there and i think that maybe that just shows you I mean, you know that how
0: fucked in the head comedy he is. is. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but look, <laughs> comedy is
1: his way of, of probably, you know, dealing with those kind of things. And like many comics, I mean, I think he uses humor to 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 lighten a situation, and and that's what he did with us. Was you know he would use that between takes sometimes just to kind of uh, get out of that headspace. So uh, it wasn't difficult. I think that he's such a such a talent that um, you know, for me to be able to. To watch him was was really special in that, uh, you know, when you see someone inhabit a character that you've written in such a way that goes beyond what's on the page and and affects you on a on a on a deep, uh, you know, kind of visceral level. That's a that's a pleasure, you know. So so I would say it was certainly not difficult whatsoever.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it was fine. It was easy. no, I get what you're saying. The, the, the thing is though, I. I'm I'm com- constantly conflicting myself personally on that world between my role as a stand-up comedian and my role as an actor. Um I know that, you know, we having worked together previously, you know that I again myself, I like to crack jokes, maybe, you know, need to rein that in a little bit. But in terms of the role that I was taking on for that movie with you, it was I was a funny I was the light the light relief in, in, in some way. But I, I, I know that Robin Williams used to make a huge amount of jokes, even on some of the darkest roles and characters that he took on. Um, and it was almost off-putting for for, for directors sometimes because you, you create you're creating the mood, the atmosphere of the scene, uh, especially with a movie like American Dreamer. There is there is very little, um, there's there's very few moments where you feel like you can take a breath as an audience member because it's the situation just continues to escalate yeah. from start to finish which is actually one of my favorite parts of the of the of the of the story and the outline of the story the fact that at no point do you ever see the situation getting better you know um and yeah, yeah. and I wonder whether it whether there's there's a conflict there when someone is naturally very funny their insti- their insti- uh, instincts as most as you pointed out most comedians are that when something is dark or heavy we like to mock it or turn it into a thing of ridicule to make it lighter so it's easier to deal with. But in those moments on your film, I'm assuming you don't want people to be too happy because you need those actors to turn out a delivery and a performance that captures the the, the misery or the sadness or the anger or the frustration.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, for me personally, between takes when we're not rolling, you know, Hearing something that brings a little levity to the situation is is, is fine. It doesn't okay. distract me from my job. But, you know, someone like Robbie Jones, who who, who is amazing as Maz in this film, mm-hmm. um, who who's a method guy, who right. really is Maz for those couple of weeks while we're shooting, you know, I, I can tell you riding around in that car where I was sitting on the floor, we took the passenger seat out and I was sitting on the floor of the car with a camera on my shoulder sometimes driving around where Jim's actually driving. He's not wearing his glasses and he's not a guy that even owns a car and we're doing these scenes and and Robbie's in the back seat in in character and between takes you know Jim would uh, you know say something to lighten the mood or whatever and and you know to watch the dynamic between the two of them between takes was 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 interesting to me because of their 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 different approaches to how they're how they work I mean you know Jim uh, you know might need might need a minute before we roll the cameras to kind of get into character just to
0: compose and himself then, back into where he was. Yeah.
1: Exactly. To find where he is. And I would always just kind of remind him as to where we came from, from the last scene and kind of where we're going. And, um, he would take a few beats and get into character. And then immediately when we cut, he's, you know, he will occasionally have something funny to say. Whereas Robbie. did he Was he met with a
0: stonewall face from Robbie Jones?
1: Uh, <laughs> and he was met with a stonewall face and the occasional comment that was like you know you know you have to keep talking all the time or things like that like you know can, can you, can
0: you, <laughs> shut the fuck up dude i'm i'm trying to be yeah. an aggressive yeah. drug dealer right now and you kind of <laughs> you're making me laugh yeah yeah no yeah, doubt. That's so
1: that yeah you know, that was fun to watch that dynamic and um you know uh but but jim specifically you know could slip in out of in and out of character in a way that that didn't bother me because uh you know as much as we're shooting dark material i'm not i don't have to i don't have to act that way to 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 direct something like that i just Absolutely. have to be you know focused
0: the mood and, of the, uh, the mood of the shoot doesn't have to be dark just because the content yeah, is is quite dark exactly yeah yeah but uh but you know look
1: to me what matters is that everybody there on a low budget film like this with little time to make it everyone was on the same page making the same movie you know i think that we were all there kind of knowing what we were doing in a way that just made it a lot easier to to shoot some of these scenes that are that are you know fairly um disturbing material
0: absolutely well i don't want to give it, too much of it away to people who haven't yet seen the movie but um even just a th- a third of the way into the movie something horrendously catastrophic happens which I had, I had slightly, uh, I had preempted it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 happening," and uh, and when it did happen, I was, it was horrendous, <laughs> like a horrendous. Yeah, moment. yeah. But a wonderful moment for Jim Gaffigan really to show the lunacy of his character. Like this is a man on the edge who's who's broken, completely broken, and and, and has given up. I think on caring about anyone else. Even though he professes to be doing a lot of what he's doing for his child and to be, uh, you know, to be a father and to be able to have that relationship with his son, it seems like he's a man who's just given up on caring about anyone else's situation.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that, look, he's a guy that found himself out of a job without his family and, you know, in a in a horrible situation and he refuses to take any personal responsibility for for where he's ended up yeah. you know he, he, he he's blaming everyone else he's got a sense of entitlement and uh to to the point of being you know somewhat delusional and and that he decides to take matters into his own hands and and kind of use uh use people kind of uh as pawns in his attempt to 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 reclaim the life that he had um, you know, without any regard to 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 anyone else even uh, really having much humanity whatsoever, you know I mean, I think the film to me is about invisible people and and this sort of intersection between capitalism and humanity that each one of these characters kind of lives in that kind of gray area where you know Jim feels like he 's invisible but once was relevant and uh, wants to get back to relevancy that 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 was stolen from him you right. know robbie 's character Maz I think is trying to claw his way up uh from being born into this invisibility uh to try to give his son a better life you know I think that the that, that the issues that they 're facing are are similar in the broad strokes but apply to each one of them differently
0: yeah, that was one of the takeaways that I had because I actually wondered how much the when you were writing it. Um, what the uh, what the the intention was behind both of those main protagonists or those two lead characters? Because I, I felt like whilst they both have children who they profess to be doing things for, I got the impression neither one of them really. It was never really about their kid. It was very much about power, relevancy, and also. Um, I mean it's called American Dreamer, but I, I, I get the idea that it's like two approaches, a very middle middle of the road, middle, middle-aged, uh white guy, you know, from suburbia, and a, a younger black drug dealer trying to sort of work his way well, or get himself some prominence and and some power and some money within the ghetto lifestyle that he's leading. Um but i but ultimately, those are very it felt like both of their practices and their approaches were incredibly selfish. they're very selfish characters, the two protagonists
1: yeah, you know, I think that the way to have any sort of um you know tension and conflict in in a film and any sort of narrative is to is to have characters come to these forks in the road and as an audience, you know, you want an audience to say, don't go that way, go this way, don't do it, don't do it. it. And then of course they're going to go that way because it's self-serving. And, and then it continues to cause whatever problems they have to escalate. And, and I think that that was, that was something we were very conscious of on this film is just, you know, uh, people that do things, let's say that are not necessarily, you know, considered good, by, by uh, you know, broad society might not, I mean, normally don't think they're doing something bad. They think they're, they're acting in, in some sort of interest that, that has a motivation that feels like it's right for them. Right. And I think that was one of the things with all these characters that, you know, uh, as a director speaking with these actors, it's like, you know, there are a lot of characters here that don't make good choices. But it's their truth and you have to defend their truth because to them, each of them is making a choice that feels like it's the right choice for them to make. And if you can buy into that, then the performance will be authentic. The film will be authentic. And I think that's one of the things that I feel best about for this film is that these characters that are also flawed, um, you know, their choices are bad but for them they're they feel like they're the right choice to make
0: yeah yeah in that moment that's the snap decision they've made that ultimately leads them down the wrong path you mentioned you talked about authenticity there and i know that uh you know obviously you you don't just direct movies you write your movies you really work them through on this one you actually work with someone else with uh you have a you have a writing partner correct um yeah. now how much authenticity is in those characters you're you're a father you're a you're a white man in his i don't know 40s 50s i'm not sure where you're at probably 40s 30s i don't know you're I mean, not 30, got yeah, 40. 30s Got
1: be i like that you gotta be 40
0: <laughs> mate i don't know you gotta be 40 at least um at but least you, for sure well i don't know you know you've got a little little salt and pepper going on derek what can i say man? <laughs> um but how much authenticity is 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 in that character drawn from your own life because you know I'm pretty certain every dad has, you know, has been pushed to breaking point by their situation, by their families, by their children, and would do anything to have, to, to maintain the role of the patriarch within that family unit. You ever thought about, you know, murder, extortion, You know, it's kidnapping.: uh, Has that ever has that ever, ever crossed your mind?
1: Well, look. Thankfully, I've never been in a situation where uh, where that was uh, that was a, a plan A, B, yet, C, or D. Yet, Derek, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. You don't know, mate. Um, yeah. But you know, look. I I think that when you write, you know, you want to put some humanity in each of these characters in a way that you you, you do try to draw something from your own life, um, not necessarily in a literal way, but in some kind of Um, some kind of connected way where um, no one would ever kind of make the, connect the dots in any way. But, um, but, you know, I I think the best characters have some level of reality in them. And and, and if you can write from the heart in some way that, you know, is either something, you know, or something you've seen or something you have experienced yourself You know, I think that's going to make a better character. I've never been in some of these
0: situations. I was going to say, that is the most incredibly non-committal, broad answer I've ever heard. (laughs) You know, sometimes you get a ride with an idea. Here's the deal, Derek. I know that I've definitely in the past had, uh, for instance, a man um, making a partner's life, a girlfriend that I had's life so miserable that I've planned out how to kill him. Like I've, 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 now, now I don't know if that just makes me a fucking lunatic. I'm sure it probably does, and I, I guarantee that. But, but I think that makes me human. I think there's a humanity, there's a human primal instinct, especially amongst men. Like the men are very much the focus of this movie. Of course, um, Robbie's character's wife, you know, Maz's wife, features quite a lot during the film, and so does Jim Gaffigan's character, his wife as well, is is briefly in the in the movie. But for the most part, it's about these two men trying to be. Fathers, in all the wrong ways, you know, uh, to try to do what they think is the best route to 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 ensure the the continuation of that role and that that purpose, uh, which ultimately brings about catastrophe for both of them. But there's there's got to be when when you're writing a character, as you said, there's 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 the best characters reveal something within ourselves that we go god i felt that i would never act on it i would never in a million years act on that thing but yes i know that bit and how close have i ever been pushed to the line where if i just snapped if my mind had just snapped i could have been there myself and that's that's what i'm asking really you know
1: how many times you sat there and
0: thought you know what i'm gonna do this i'm gonna
1: I think one of the things about Cam that that I like so much as a character is that he just illustrates how each of us are a couple of really bad decisions away from from being in some serious shit. I mean, you know, it's I think that, um, uh, you know, I can't say that I've planned how to kill someone before. I may have wanted to, but Ah, I didn't actually make the actual (laughs) plans. Well, I didn't (laughs) didn't say evil villain real is coming out. <laughs> I didn't sit
0: down with a sketchbook and you know like <laughs> take notes. I just mean yeah, like I right. gone like oh yeah, I might have to actually kill this guy and if I do this is how i do it.
1: I got you. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I um I value my freedom a little too much to have ever actually planned to kill anyone. But you know, maybe wanting to. Well part sure. of the plan is
0: getting um, away with it, Derek. You don't Well, that's away, true. Getting know? away with it,
1: yeah. <laughs> but see, that's what it. always goes wrong, which is otherwise we wouldn't have any films to make about these things. There you but go.
0: but uh, you know, it has to go wrong in
1: some way. Sure. Um, you know, look, as far as I think the biggest thing I identify with 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 Cam is, you know, um when things go wrong, it's it's not an easy thing to look at yourself and say what part did I play in this? It's right. always yes. easier to say everyone's sabotaging me or I didn't I didn't get this movie that I wanted because, you know, uh, there's some some backroom deal going on that doesn't that, you know, like the, it's unfair or yeah. whatever. When yeah, the reality yeah, yeah, yeah. is it's harder just to look at yourself and say I got to get better at what I'm doing or, you know, this happened because I didn't do something well enough, but um you know uh, so that part I think is something that that you know I've felt before and hopefully I'm trying to um to elevate my perspective a little bit and and even writing a character like this is a way to to exercise that in some way
0: absolutely absolutely yeah it's quite a therapeutic process I think to lay that character out and go thank god I've I've uh grown beyond that mindset absolutely yeah yeah yeah, definitely, and and you said it was a, a a micro budget, and you were doing, you know, you were shooting stuff yourself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, obviously, first of all, the movie looks, it doesn't look low budget, <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't look like it was a micro budget uh, production. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very Thank personal, you. but I, I just assume that was a, a stylistic choice, you know, the way the way it's shot, very close up. It needs to feel like you're within it because you want to be within cam's character almost you want to inhabit the the continued breakdown of this man's mind as he progresses through his night's activities um but also uh when you're when you're looking at something like that I mean outside of the production value that you do have like car crashes and chases and explosions and there's this there's quite a lot that you did with a micro budget there already how do you uh how do you how do you kind of marry that budget that you have against what you would like to do stylistically with the film, because I'm assuming once you've got your talent and they've taken their portion of that budget and then you go, well, I've got to pay cast and crew to do that. And then you go, and then we've got to get the locations and blah, blah, blah. How do you, at what point do you go, all right, you know what, this is, is this still going to be the film that I wanted to make when I, when I wrote it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, that, um, Look, there's the way to do that where you you have a certain budget and you have a film that you want to make that really should never be made on that budget, and yet people try to do that anyway and and end up you know kind of with something that that doesn't really work. I think that in our case with this, our budget was four hundred and twenty thousand dollars.
0: Oh wow! Which is
1: yeah, I mean, That's micro nothing. budget.
0: That's nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh. However, I knew based on the material that we could accomplish this in a way that would not jeopardize the 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 film the finished product you know by shooting for 16 days yeah most of them nights 14 and a half nights and a day and a half of daytimes but yeah um i knew we could accomplish what i wanted to do with this film on that on that meager budget so it felt right i think that that you know as long as it's the right material and the right budget, I think it makes it a lot easier to do that. Whereas if it would have been a film that was, you know, uh, that required, you know, 60 days to shoot it and, and you know, uh, uh, all kinds of um, expensive toys and large cast and those kind of things, it never would have happened. But I think that the fact that it's fairly contained um, and that it, it really does take place over the course of 24 hours. so you save on your wardrobe budget right sure, there because sure. can't, you know jim's character doesn't nobody changes clothes in the whole film you know so we saved on our our wardrobe budget was tiny
0: one of the biggest locations is a car which is exactly great. that's exactly. wonderful wonderful yeah. isn't it?
1: And, and i had a friend that actually loaned us five of the same car who's got a car dealership and he loaned us five cars that all matched so we had one on a on the back of a um of a, of a of a lawn guy like a landscape guy's trailer, right? Um, and towed that around as our process trailer. You know, and we're talking high tech here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, amazing. And you know, I mean, it was uh, it was bare bones guerrilla filmmaking, and uh, it was the most fun I've ever had on a show before. I mean, you know, um, I think that that you know the film we did together, you know, London Town was 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 incredibly rewarding in that. You know, accomplishing a period piece set in '78 London, yeah, on a relatively low budget was was challenging, but so rewarding to be able to to make that happen. But this was the most enjoyment I've ever had in terms of just getting to make the film that I wanted to make, and you know, just uh, knowing that everyone was there, w- sleeves rolled up, you know, standing in the same the same uh, puddles together, trying to make the same film.
0: Absolutely yeah i mean i' i'm i'm still i'm still blown away that it was a four hundred and twenty thousand dollar budget because it looks <laughs> well no no but that's a that's a compliment you know it looks it looks uh vastly vastly higher production value than that that money you know would suggest it's 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 very well done but again that's probably the approach that you have um you know or the way that you approach a project like that to make it make it that good um, what what were the uh, changes if I were to turn around and say, hey, congratulations, Derek. Uh, an investor's just offered up 10 million so you can remake this movie in a slightly different way. Were there, would there be things that you would change? Would there be um, production concepts or, or aspects that you would completely overhaul if you were given a, huge, a, a much larger budget to work with? Uh,
1: no. I, yeah. I think that I would have to pass on that because i think that this film has the edge and attention that it needs because of the way we had to make it absolutely and i i don't think it would be uh, a wise decision to try to remake it regardless of the budget so uh we maybe a sequel i don't know maybe we uh take the 10 million and go make a sequel
0: there you go we'll put a couple more explosions at the end or an evil villain with a With a British accent, (laughs) there you go. Yeah, that could work.
1: Just saying. Or you could you could (laughs) upgrade
0: all the four five cars to Lamborghinis or something. There you go. That would work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work that.
0: Um. Now working with Jim, I I assume this was the first time you're working with him.
1: Yeah, first time I've I've worked with him. I I, um I met him about twenty years ago on another project. I, I was sitting at a table, much like this, after auditioning. You know, who knows how many people for a week for this part, and I'm looking down, taking notes on, on the last few people that had come in. And I see this headshot get slipped down in front of me of this 85 year old woman. I just see, you know, a a headshot of an older woman. And I know we're not reading anyone for for a role like that. I look up and there's Jim and he just kind of says, Hey, and like doesn't say anything about the headshot. It's just a, like, as though it's just normal. This is his headshot. And he goes and, uh, you know, he reads for the part and, and later, years later, I asked him about it. He said that um, it was just on the hallway out in the, in the, in the rehearsal space that we were using for auditions. And he just thought, you know, let's use this as a headshot. And he pulls it off the wall and walks in and drops it in front of me. It was very, he, you know, obviously he made an, uh, an impression on me. I cast yeah, yeah. him 20 years later in a, in the lead of a film, so which is you know. ironic
0: because now he actually looks like that eighty-five-year-old woman now. So yeah, he's yeah, no he's doubt. Really, yeah, he's really grown into the uh, <laughs> the aesthetic he set for himself. I think you're also giving um a man an opportunity there. Like I know a lot of comedy talent have designs on serious roles. You know that that the concept of being able to play both, to play theatrical as well as comical, is something that's very exciting to them. Was was Jim? excited from the off was this was did you have to sell the concept because you you know it was a a smaller budget movie it's not like he's walking away with you know millions and millions of dollars in his pocket for for doing the role How, how how did that process go down
1: you know he read the script and and um wanted to have a call so you know and i was excited about the call also and uh you know, and and he told me about his enthusiasm for the role. And, and, you know, we sort of talked creatively first and then, and then we started talking a little bit of the nuts and bolts, which was like, Hey, come to Virginia. We're shooting 16 nights. You're, you're, you know, basically getting, you know, whatever SAG micro budget minimum is, which is, you know, whatever $4 and 20 cents a day.
0: Yes. And, um,
1: you know, uh, you're not going to have a trailer. You're not going to have, you know, some of the perks that you might be used to when you, you know, travel around and do these massive arenas that you, that you for stand up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it's going to be a grind. And he said, I'm in, when do you want me there? You know, it was like, he said he he really wanted this role and, and and really wanted to take the risk and, and showcase this side of himself. And, you know uh, it really was, I mean, that's how easy it was. I mean, I, you know, I think that that he, you know, he sold me and, you know, and I I, I think it, that. I, I wish I could say that I had to convince him, but I mean, he loved the material and he got it. He understood it. And after talking with me, uh, you know, made me realize how much he understood it. And, and we just decided, let's let's go do this together. I mean, it was.
0: He wasn't like sending me gifts or anything. It was a no brainer. It was a pretty, pretty straight set
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you see that, I mean, I can't wait to see the the new, um, you know, uncut gems, you know, the Adam Sandler film, the, the Softie brothers film looks amazing to me. Another dark, the trailer came out today or yesterday. It's another super, super dark turn for someone that normally, you know, is considered a comedian. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a history of that happening. And, and, um, you know, uh, look, there's a reason I've heard people say it. You know, Jim said it You know, for someone to get up on a stage and put themselves through the kind of things you guys put, put yourselves through, um, you know, to make people laugh. I mean, it's it comes from a comes from a place that uh, isn't necessarily funny all the time. And, sure. and, and in fact, and, you very, know, rare, very
0: rarely is humor the basis of the things that we talk about, at least good comics, Right. Exactly. <laughs> good yeah, comics yeah, are yeah, fucked right in now. the head and a bit miserable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they plan out how to kill yeah, people yeah. that kind of thing yeah it's just like, yeah exactly um did you uh I, I also wanted to find out did you um specifically you you've you've been getting like some kind of celebrity support uh especially from russell crowe is this a new is he just a new buddy of yours or have you always been <laughs> friends i see about 12 tweets from him being like go and watch american dreamer it's a great movie my buddy Derek bought doing it blah blah, blah. I that's if the that... worst
1: russell crow impersonation i've ever oh seen. sorry
0: well what does he sound like australian and drunk Fucking <laughs> go no, see look, my um... friend's movie it's great there you go Australia. what's it called american dreamer go check it out is that better i don't know what he sounds like normally
1: yeah um i just finished a film with russell i just wrapped two weeks ago on a film called unhinged with russell and um and he watched American Dreamer and 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 loved it. And you know, uh, I'm I'm happy that he's speaking publicly about it, as well as a lot of other people that are
0: not a bad endorsement, are, is it? Uh, a Hollywood superstar like that?
1: No, I mean, look, I, it just makes me feel you know thankful that people are watching it and then want to talk about it. And obviously, if they're people with millions of followers, that's that's kind of awesome as well, you know. But yeah. um, but it, it just uh, you know, look. Not every you can't please everyone all the time, but it's nice when you've got, you know, the kind of people that are responding to this film, uh, and then wanting to share their feelings about it. I mean, just in the last couple of days, I'm blown away by some of the people that have uh that have tweeted how much they love this film and love the performances. And and, you know, it's uh I don't take it lightly, or take it for granted. I think that, you know, it's easy, it's uh it's easy to put something out and, and, and have people not like it and not talk about it. But uh, but to get a positive response is, is pretty wonderful.
0: Well, you were to, we, were, we were talking about reviews because you've had uh, a, a mixture of reviews. And the majority have been incredibly positive, actually. Um, but there's been a couple of ones that, you know, picked it apart. The New York Times, you know, we mentioned that one of the writers from the New York Times picked it apart a bit. But then... Another critic from the New York Times said they loved it so uh, how, how how do you think there's still this kind of um maybe uh what's the what's the correct word sensationalism within critics uh, re, you know film critics' reviews where often critics will just pick something apart for the sake of it you know do they do they do it because then they can get known as the guy who tears down movies or the girl who tears down movies or or do you think they actually give any time and energy to really seriously considering the the work that's gone into making a a piece of art like that?
1: Well, look, I, I, respect, um, you know, anyone that's going out doing their job, uh, with, uh, with integrity. And, you know, there's a need for, for, um, for people to write about various kinds of art and, um, you know, and give their opinion and break it down responsibly and, and, and uh, let's say translated for people that, that are their readers. Uh, so, you know um, I know that I can't please everyone all the time, like I said, and, and, and um, you know, if someone has an issue and they express it in a way that's um, that's informative or, you know, enlightening to their readers, I, I can, ha- I can respect that. I think that um, do you, do you actually you read know, the
0: reviews then across the board Will you read bad reviews as well as good reviews on work?
1: Um, you know, look, I, I, I try not to read the reviews only because
0: you know, um, uh, then you might have to plan out how to kill someone.
1: Well, yeah, no, I look, I think once something's out there, yeah, I didn't, but, um,
0: uh, <laughs> look at how well media trained you are
1: against us later yes. no
0: um, not at all dude it's savage snowflake i mean we're all about love and liberalism and progressive yeah, yeah. nature no, but I also that, savage um, enough to be honest you know like sometimes critics write shitty reviews and you have to as a, an auteur of that of that art sometimes be like what the fuck did they watch because it wasn't the movie that i made you know
1: yeah you know look i, I think that um things are never as bad as they seem they're never think that um you know it's nice to hear that there was some positive feedback out there which is what i'm hearing from you know that 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 um that the reviews are overwhelmingly positive and yet Absolutely, i yeah. think that um look i've heard there are there are a couple negative reviews that um you know and and i've heard that they're not they're not let's say um uh responsible journalism in terms of how they how they what they say as far
0: as what they don't like I, you know well, it was, was literally only one that i can think of you know the rest them. were very positive and then there was only one that picked it apart but i have to go <laughs> and don't get me wrong subjective look it's the same with comedy or with any art form of course art is subjective one person might hate what another person loves but i also think when it comes to the the process once you're a film critic and it comes to the process of reviewing a movie you have to have some industry knowledge of how a production is put together, the kind of talent that's involved in it, the, the effort that went into the script writing, the budget that that movie was on as well will play a huge role, et etc. Et and to categorically write something off when so many other critics have said so many incredibly positive things about a project, you've got to question, maybe this person's just a little bit off the money or they're doing it for a sensationalist, look at me. I'm tearing this thing down aren't i aren't I brave and clever you know
1: yeah i mean it's very possible I think that uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion obviously and and uh, you know it's uh I, you know if i could if I had an explanation for how all these things worked um you know I would have probably come up with some algorithm and and sold it to uh google and and uh you know would be off on an island somewhere.
0: Uh, you don't you know, own an island doing whatever yet. I want. You don't have an <laughs> yeah. island. How do you not have an island? Or you could just don't. send <laughs> Russell Crowe round to their house. He could go and knock on the door and have a word with them.
1: Yeah, you know, maybe that's a that's a you know, he's an, an interesting idea. Yeah, he's an intimidating <laughs> guy.
0: I'd like that. I, like, I wish every every reviewer who ever reviewed someone's movies, if the director and the a couple of the core cast members would actually knock on their door and go, "Hey, let's have a let's have a more." It's like trolls, internet trolls. If you went and knocked on the door and just went, "Hey, listen, I got some thoughts about your review, and I'd love to discuss yeah. it with you. I'd love to really pick apart why you didn't like my my movie, and uh, so many other people did. I'd really love to know, and I think they'd crumble under that pressure."
1: Yeah, you know, it just reminds me of those mean tweets. I think that some one of the one of the late night shows has so, have have celebrities come on and read the read mean tweets about tweets. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. You know, if you want to send me a. a, a this bad review that you're talking about for the film i'd be happy to read it out loud on the show here if you want me to that's
0: nah, all right no one even read it anyway i'm sure it it's just a, <laughs> just a passing passing trace um so you've d- worked in the realms of comedy you've worked in the realms of you know very serious theatrical pieces now you're fusing comedians with dark twisted theatrical things do you do you have a camp that you prefer to work in is there a is there a is there you know, do, is your first love creating comical offerings or is it creating dark drama?
1: You know, I think that I, I just gravitate towards it all starts with the script, you know, regardless of genre. I think that if there's a script that that, um you know, a that I can make it past page 10 on, you know, like I think that, you know, a lot of times it's just hard to keep reading. And if you can't keep reading, you're not going to keep watching if it's ever made sure. into a film to me. I think that, you know, um, a film, I mean, a script that to me either has great potential or is a great script is where I would always start. Um, and then, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what do I think I could do with it? How do I think I could cast it? And, you know, uh, regardless of genre, I think that that's, you know, it's about what's a challenge to me. What's something that I think can help me become better at what I'm trying to do. And, and, uh, you know, facing fears of, of, uh, you know, um, different things that I have not done before, you know, um, this last film, uh, you know, it has big action sequences and, um,
0: you know, hadn't hadn't done that before in a movie. So
1: not quite on that scale. And, (laughs) and, you know, it's, um, it's a challenge and, and, you know, it's, um, that's part of the rush of this is doing things that you have not done before and knowing that, you know, kind of, you you, you got to prep it out and and you know whatever you do is going to end up on the screen. So, um, you you need to learn quickly and challenge yourself to to face uncomfortable situations and and you know uh, like I said, to me it's just about how can I get better at this every day.
0: Yeah. Standout favorite moment from the shooting schedule because I mean it there has to be a moment on every shoot where you'll look back either fondly or. Uh, with frustration, but also i amuse uh, amusement probably after the fact
1: wow you know i the one I would say would probably be too much of a spoiler for the film unfortunately, but um you know there's a there's a scene with jim that um is a is a very big scene that that you know we had talked about in prep for a long time and and um you know seeing him uh, go there emotionally and and you know um emote you know an act, you know an act obviously in the situation in a way that feels so real and so powerful um to where you feel it you know in your, your gut and when you're watching it um you know seeing this guy face down his fears and challenge himself to go someplace that he's never gone on camera before that was pretty special you know that was pretty um you know, albeit incredibly dark material. Um, you know, that was the moment we had talked about, and I'm not telling you what the moment is. Obviously. I, I mean, I know, probably, I
0: know what the moment is because I've seen oh yeah, it. You know so I know 100, percent yeah. Um, but it, maybe it's the concept yeah. of of being able to push an actor to a place they'd never been before, possibly. You know, right. I, don't, I can't, yeah, I can't imagine Jim Gaffigan ever having to in- invoke that level of like a complete right. uh, yeah tournament. whatever that's called yeah torment um, let's go with torment, torment yeah
1: and i think that that you know having been a moment that we talked about for months ahead um you know finally being there on the day and seeing it unfold and 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 you know uh and seeing you know a couple months of prep work materialize in front of you in a way that feels so um that's that's good stuff, man. That's you know, that's why you do this,
0: you know. because yeah. it's it, it's uh,
1: I don't know what else what other job you could have where you get to have those kind of experiences.
0: Yeah. You're a straight-down-the-line guy, Derek. I'm learning more about you. I was expecting, like, well, there was this one day that Jim turned up in a muumuu and uh, just handed out bananas to the whole cast. It was a pretty big day. We had a good chuckle about that.
1: They told you about that day?
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) No, he does that all the time, apparently. That's just uh, a rumor that goes around about Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, every time he comes to it. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen the muumuu and the bananas
0: yet. Social gatherings, dude. Yeah, birthdays, uh, bar mitzvahs. He'll always turn up with a basket of bananas and just, uh, just a big floral print dress
1: okay that's uh that's I I, I, I maybe know. i'm not in the NFL yet but hopefully at some point you know i'll get to see that side of him
0: yeah absolutely um so what's the next project for you so you've just been working with russell crowe on a movie
1: yeah just wrapped unhinged about two weeks ago um and uh it's, i imagine
0: uh, that sorry to interrupt uh, you i imagine that is uh a, um, a slightly different budget scale of movie etc to american dreamer is that a strange yeah, yeah, process definitely. going from this and to this and working with, don't get me wrong, Jim Gaffigan's a huge star. Uh, and, uh, but you know, is that quite interesting and fun to go oh, I'm going from my own kind of independent project? That's mine and very much my baby. And now I'm going to go and work with Russell Crowe on this huge blockbuster that's, you know, that is that a strange process? Yeah, very
1: different. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a machine, you know, it's a machine that's just kind of, um, you know, the, 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 the production entity is machine in a slightly different way than just me and, you know, some friends that decide to make a movie. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, you find the collaborative, uh, chemistry there as you go along. But in the beginning, it's kind of walking into a room with people that you don't know that, uh, sometimes don't know each other and you just kind of have to figure that figure out how a lot of that works pretty quickly um and you know you have a lot longer uh schedule and a lot more toys to play with and and yet essentially on the day when you're actually working it's it's pretty much like the same thing as everything else you know it's like once you're there i feel like time kind of slows down on set and and you know um the objective for the day is, is very clear. And you just try to try to make your day and get the best, uh, get the best material you can. And, um, you know, um, it definitely made me want to like kind of call my friends up and say, you know, let's find another small movie to go make. And yet that was exciting. The bigger movie was exciting also, you know, it's, um, I think that just, you know, for me, it's just about constantly trying to find new challenges. And, and like I said, I, you know, keep saying, you know, it's just about how to how do I get better at this? You know, how do I, how do I grow in every day? How do I, you know, stay the dumbest guy in the room and surround myself with smart people and try to learn from each of them. You know, I think that's really kind of what it's all about.
0: Speaking about, um, you know, you've mentioned now a couple of times this concept of becoming better at what you do. What are, what are aspects of your filmmaking so far and your career as a director that you are already aware, oh, I need to work more at that element of what I do or that aspect of what I do. Let's get r- very honest with it what what are what are elements that you want to be better at that you think you can be better at?
1: Um, I think i'm fairly um fairly flatline in terms of you know not not I don't think I've ever lost my cool on set. Um, so you'd like to scream I, at
0: someone that's that's what you'd like to work on
1: <laughs> well you know the occasional scream for for effect at the right time if the timing is right can always you know possibly be useful but I think that you know um let's say um if i'm if I'm in the moment and, and I'm kind of uh, focused on something in my own head, I probably need to do a, a little better job of uh responding in a a, a more thought out uh um Less gruff way to people occasionally.
0: Okay, all right. You're a little hard. You're a little hard. Derek's a little mean.
1: I mean, I'm not mean. I just think that I, you know, if if I'm, you know, kind of running through something, you know, I need either that or I need to just get some of those. You get the uh, blinkers on. You get the tunnel. You get the
0: tunnel vision. So then you forget what's going on here because you're like, look, I'm trying to get this thing right. Right. That's the OCD nature of a director, though. I think that they're very, very focused on singular elements one by one. And uh I think that's just a, a, a surely just a part and parcel of being a director and having to look at a big picture and make every aspect of it work correctly, you have to be very focused on each part at a different yeah point.
1: i mean look look you you you've been in, you know uh you've worked with me on a, a number of scenes in, you know on a number of a couple of days in a row yeah um, you were terrified
0: so aggressive are you just screaming <laughs> kicking shit over yeah, right. Jeff would you stop cracking fucking jokes that i think that's your exact words or i don't I can't remember what you said. You big red coat yeah. limey pussy. I can't remember what you call me, but there was definitely some physical abuse.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh no, wait, sorry. What happened?
0: That was a club I went to. That was a different experience. <laughs> sorry, my, my apologies. I'm um, uh, no, you were you were very nice to work with. I, 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 I don't I don't think we had the um, the depth of relationship on set that allowed me to know much about you in general as a man or as a director because my role there was fleeting you know i was i was two small scenes uh definitely you know part of the story part of the narrative but i i, I certainly wasn't i didn't walk away with that with any aspersions that, that um, oh wow i'm a fucking i'm a supporting cast member. you know what i mean i was not gonna win best supporting actor for that role necessarily because i was more just like a a story uh a story arc you know constructor like a just uh right need some tickets <laughs> but there are no small roles jeff hey listen there's plenty of, there's more small roles and there are big roles in movies that's true
1: but there your your film is only as good as the worst performance in it
0: you know you don't want to so there's no small role well, now well, any- now you've outlined that i was the worst <laughs> performance in no, the movie come
1: on man you were great you were great i just i don't think that I don't take any any uh any performance or any role is small to me because Understood. they're important to me because if, if it doesn't work, it's going to take people out of the
0: film absolutely so, no, no, of course, you know. yeah you're right, you're right, you're right yeah, I don't know I don't, I don't really like, know what no. you could work on. I'm not sure you could work on um you know i don't know uh just maybe bringing the beard in even more severe, maybe grow the bottom a bit longer so it's more lenin like. That would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, get a bit more length. Gotcha. Slightly less. depth. That's about it. That's all my feedback. I'm, constructive criticism. Okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not famed for my constructive criticism, really. Gotcha,
1: all right, well listen, gotcha. I I know
0: you're an incredibly busy man and you're also in edits for your for your next movie, so you you probably need to get back to that. Um just to give us a little bit more, for those who haven't seen uh seen any of the films, if you were to Give a nice, I'm sure you've already had to do this many times in a lot of press junkets over the last few weeks, but if you were to surmise the story, the narrative of American Dreamer, what can people expect? What What are they? What, what is the story that you wanted to tell that they can take away when they go and see this movie? What would that be?
1: Uh, you know, I think that... Um, I can't travel with this film to tell people what to think, so I'll tell you what I kind of hope they get out of it, which is, you know, I hope it's a, a it's a thrill ride, you know, edge of your seat, white knuckle thrill ride, uh, that that you know you can't take your eyes off of. And then, I hope that some of the issues and social commentary that are laced throughout are are things that get people to want to have a conversation afterwards. Yeah, you know, to talk about some of these issues. I hope they're presented in a way that sparks conversation, uh, and that the the thrill ride of this film. Brings people through it where they don't really feel conscious of the fact that they're also kind of, um, you know, absorbing some social commentary.
0: I think also, this if you don't mind saying, I think be prepared to walk away from the movie and watching the whole thing through. Again, I'm going to be very conscious of trying not to give any kind of spoilers, but be prepared to be given a very, a very real outcome you know i think a lot of movies like to um push for the utopian ending and the and the you know how is this going to come right whereas all of my favorite movies are the ones that leave me going what this is like that's what's this is ah oh. and and then that's 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 great it's like it's it catches you off guard i think it certainly catches you off guard um and a story of one one father breaking down and ruin the life of another father as well i think in 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 a lot of ways right absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. well listen man did you you see that when
1: you saw it did you do that what the at at the end
0: i was like well actually i want to say what i thought and what i thought the the underlying narrative was because i think it was a, a, a a commentary on lots of things incredibly prevalent given today's politics social climate etc etc but I I saw like an exasperated angry middle America white man um, destroying lots of lives and ultimately we're left wondering how much of that he's going to have to actually deal with and whether, and I wonder whether that was a, a little bit of an underlying racial commentary on how America is built—built built to keep certain people um, destitute and without a chance of survival—and to allow other people to exist, even if they're, even if they're morally and ethically so fucking off point, you, 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 you want to scream at the screen the whole time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that if that's what you got, then the then. The film is a success in that I you know I just wanted it to be a reflection of of the world that I see around me right now yeah and uh you know with it's not a celebration of that it's it it just is a reflection of that it's a snapshot of that
0: absolutely not a celebration no just laying out the facts almost almost going like hey here's a here's a here's a snapshot into what real life can be and how it can play out for certain people depending on their their what chances they've been afforded in life you know absolutely even the yeah, various yeah. privileges or lack thereof i guess
1: yeah wonderful no doubt
0: i want to know what these pictures are behind you by the way oh um what have we got up here we got uh there's daenerys targaryen over here these are just things that from various events i've done and comic cons and stuff that's daenerys i bought her at new york comic con from an artist there there's harlequin uh the there's assassin's creed over here syndicate i did some hosting for Ubisoft, and that was uh, for the Seneca event. And then there's some artwork up there from New Zealand and all sorts. Just artwork, man. You know, I'm a creative guy, dude. Cool. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know. Like looking at dark, twisted artwork that that really brings me out of myself. Um, hey, listen, Derek, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. I appreciate it. Or, or, or skyping in. Um, if people want to check the movie out, it's it's out right now. American Dreamer. Yeah,
1: it's on. It's on- yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking me to. No. Yeah, in. I yeah. am. Yeah. <laughs> give me, give, give me,
0: give me the, uh, it's on, on all give the, the
1: platforms, man. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon uh, or Hulu. It's on everything. Um, watch it. If you like it, tell your friends about it.
0: Yeah. And if you don't send Derek detailed, constructive criticism and he'll come over to your house with Russell Crowe. And depending on how mean you were, you'll get a different kind of beat down from two beautiful salt and pepper dads just coming over and just kicking your ass. It'd be great. <laughs> and I might plan out your death Um, Derek thank you so much people want to keep in contact with you they can find you on social media I guess if they want to see the new projects and keep up to date is it just at Derek Bort on on Twitter and Instagram correct?
1: you got it yeah there
0: you go and that's uh, with a double R-I-C-K B-O-R-T-E make sure to watch American Dreamer it's out now and thank you very much for joining me sir I hope I'll see you again soon always a pleasure Take care, dude. Bye-bye. Great to see you, Jeff. Bye.